Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. It's the first day after the holiday. This is the unofficial beginning of summer. I mean... The official summer, I think it's June 20th or June 21st or something. It's always summer with you guys, you know. There's always something the to celebrate. The sun is always shining in our <laughs> studio. It is. And, and in the studio with us, we have uh, Ed Cox, uh, New York State Chairman sure. of GOP. Craig Eaton, 10 years GOP Chairman of uh, uh, of Brooklyn. And no Democrats. They took the day off. Yeah. That's good, John. That's no good. Democrats no, at all. That's good. That we, miss, we miss Judge Rosenberg. Well, it's going to be all it's, sunshine uh, today. Judge well, Rosenberg, sunshine. you forgot his name already. We do have a Democrat, by the way, later on. We have uh, Bob Holden, New York City Councilman. Yeah. He's right. joining us, and he is on fire about uh, the CUNY law grads' hate-filled speech, commencement speech. Tell I can't wait to. I don't know if all the people realize what happened. There was a commencement speech at CUNY. You got to tell them it's CUNY. Yeah. That's City College. Yes. Keep it simple. You know what CUNY is. I know what CUNY is. There are millions of people in the audience don't know what CUNY is. City College of New York. Exactly. Public or City. city University. Public City and public. Of course, they get public funds, and that's why it's a big deal. The speaker comes out, John, this woman, and she bashes ICE, bashes Israel, bashes uh, the NYPD. I don't know if anybody was not bashed. And she's a speaker, and she works for CUNY, or for uh, City College? She was a speaker. She was the commencement speaker. And the, who excuse me, her? graduation speaker. Uh, picked, uh, you know, amongst her peers, this woman, Fatima Musa Mohammed. And she called for a revolution. It was so incendiary, John. Uh, you also have Mayor Eric Adams. You have Richie Torres, Congressman. No, they have come out and blasted it and said it was so inappropriate. Is this the same group that booed uh, Mayor Adams uh, uh, at the, gradu- the graduating class of uh, the Lord? The law students at uh, City University? I no, bet no. they were there. By the I, way, I wish somebody booed her. It didn't sound like anybody booed her, and that's a problem, too, Ed Cox. My no, goodness. No, last week or the week before, uh, Mayor Adams was there, and uh, a graduating class of the law, the law class, the, the, the lawyers, booed Mayor Adams, which is... That's right. That, that's horrible. Well, horrible. he's disrespectful. And he just came back and condemned the socialists. That was one yes. heck of a speech. He gave a speech at the Intrepid yesterday on Memorial Day. And bravo, as you say, to Mayor Eric Adams. He condemned the socialists. He condemned the communists. And he also condemned this hateful speecher, speaker at CUNY at the City University and, of New York. And I think that somebody has to get to the truth. Let's find out the truth. Who picked out the speaker? And I mean, it should Look, we, I believe that everybody should have the right to speak. Yeah, I do too. But you got to speak both sides. Yeah, and by the way, that's not who I would pick as a graduation speaker, John. I mean, I'm sorry. No, graduation has got to be positive. It's yes. upbeat. And unifying. Are you kidding me? She even blasted CUNY. She blasted yeah. the city university. Everybody was on the table. Uh, it would be very interesting to find out who allowed that. <laughs> Who's in charge of CUNY these days, of city university? Uh, who was is it I, the state I, uh, regents? I don't think she was responsible for the, the no no it it is it has its own board which is appointed by the mayor and also by the governor. Well, if, if I was the mayor, I'd be one annoyed person. 
Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, John, I also want to, did you hear, I want to get your take on this because you've been leading the charge on Rikers and now it looks like they are definitely uh, putting migrants at the Lincoln Correctional Facility that is in Harlem. They're inching closer to Rikers, John. That's the uh, (laughs) uh, correctional facility, the jail uh, that was uh, near Central Park on 110th Street? Exactly. This is in Harlem. It's a 10,000 square foot building facing the north side of Central Park, and they are planning on housing migrants there. Uh, and officials are saying more than 70,000 migrants have arrived to New York City. 10,000 square feet? 10,000 square that feet. That sounds very big. No, but well, at least that's something. How many least, floors? Uh, I'm not sure right here, but it says 10,000 square no, feet. That doesn't sound right. But no. you know, that's the what they're saying. Is, the problem is we're going to be putting migrants all around in different places. I mean, John's idea of bringing them to Rikers made sense. Put them all in one location. One location. We can test them. We can we feed, can do feed we can them, interview them, them. Well, we can interview them. We can test yeah. them. We can find out where they're from, what their yes. backgrounds are, whether they're terrorists. Them. It's like it's like Ellis Island was again. talking to us yeah. yesterday that a lot of these people are coming in with tuberculosis. Yeah. Yes, and last year we had eight thousand new cases of tuberculosis, wow. and for all of those out there that don't know, tuberculosis is not curable. They can use they can use antibiotics yes. on it. But it's not curable. And now, do we want kids uh, sitting next to in, in classrooms next to our kids? Yes, yeah, spreading like wildfire. The other thing Mia Lowe's talked about, John, was the list of all the things that when you came through Ellis Island, this is what you were tested for in the past. Now, none of them are getting tested for a lot of things, including TB. Wow. Well, I understand uh, we have uh, John Solomon calling in. Yep, and we got and, some uh, uh, We got some good news. questions to ask him. Yeah. Uh, let's get John Solomon on. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is John Solomon of Just the News. John, what is the latest, especially with uh, this FBI document that James Comer is looking for? Well, it's pretty clear now that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and James Comer are ready and prepared uh, in moving towards finding FBI Director Chris Wray in contempt of Congress should he fail to produce this document that's been subpoenaed. Now, there's been several developments starting late Thursday through the weekend that have made this even more tantalizing, more interesting. When we first heard about this document, uh, it appeared that it was a single a confidential human source informant uh, that brought allegations of a pay-to-play bribery scheme involving uh, President Joe Biden when he was vice president. The allegation is he, uh, Joe Biden took actions as vice president to affect U.S. policy to benefit the uh, companies and people who are paying his family money overseas. Now we're being told that the FBI has made some comments that there may be multiple informant documents that match that description. They need to be more specific, meaning that maybe multiple informants came in in 2020 making allegations like that. That would be a a major development, one of the things that needs to be ironed out. Now, uh, Comer is going to uh, meet with Chris Ray tomorrow morning. And uh, the outcome of that call will determine whether they move right to contempt or whether there's a deal to be made. The FBI director clearly taking this serious enough to actually meet with the committee chairman. He also talked with Kevin McCarthy and promised his cooperation over a week ago. Obviously, that didn't happen. So now they're down to the wire. And uh, my understanding is James Comer is already preparing contempt proceedings just in case tomorrow's meeting doesn't go well. So what, what's in this uh, what's document? The, what's the, what, what is the, now I want to hear first, what is the excuse that the FBI can come up with that they're not giving the document? Well, it's the same excuse we hear all the time, which is these are confidential human sources. They won't come forward if we start making their allegations public. 
uh, well, listen, you can protect their name and their identity and still do it. The FBI and uh, the Intelligence Committee had no problem making the whistleblower's complaint about Ukraine public and many other such allegations over the years. The world didn't come to an end. The FBI didn't stop functioning. But when they don't want to bring it up, they use that as the, uh, the blanket excuse. Here's the big question. Here's what I've been talking to FBI people on the inside, what they believe Ray and the FBI is worried about. We already have a lot of evidence of a dual justice system, right? Uh, uh, the FBI opens up on Donald Trump and Russia collusion without evidence, and they turn down not one, not two, not three, but four leads involving Hillary Clinton in 2016, even though that those leads, some of those leads had real evidence attached to them. Well, the concern that the FBI people I'm talking to believe uh, is underlying Chris Ray's not wanting to turn this over is there's no evidence the FBI followed these confidential human source leads and investigated Joe Biden before the 2020 election, which would be a glaring, glaring, uh, a new piece of evidence of the dual system of justice, the two-tiered system of justice that so many Americans now are deeply concerned about. They can see it with their own eyes. This would add to that body of concern. Yeah, wow. So so also explain, um, John Selman, what exactly this document, because the whistleblower was saying what it was like a five million dollar alleged bribery scheme tying That's the right. president that that would be an enormous deal. No, well, yeah, is it the president or the vice president at the time? Well, he was vice president at the time, but the current president, yeah, right? Yeah, but let's keep right. it straight. Yeah, just he want to make vice, sure it's not He was not vice Hunter. president at the time. Right, but not Hunter is what I'm saying. Yes. I mean, there's Hunter leads to it, but but it focuses on, quote, the big guy, which is why it's a big deal. Yeah, it, the, uh, the allegation is that while he was running for president in 2020, a confidential human source came in in the summer, spring and summer of 2020, and alleged they had information, specific and detailed information, uh, that the FBI deemed credible enough to file this form, this confidential human source form, that alleged that back when Joe Biden was vice president under Barack Obama, that there was $5 million that changed hands or was supposed to change hands to uh, the president's family and overseas money, and that Joe Biden would take certain actions on U.S. policy that would benefit the payer of that information, the, the, the company that was hiring the Biden family. We don't know much more than that. Multiple officials have confirmed to me that the country involved is Ukraine. That's interesting, given all the history of Burisma and that. But we don't know much more than that. Uh, but uh, the, the knowing, one, what the allegation is, and two, did the FBI investigate it? like they investigate some other things or did it get put into a circular file and never pursued? That is a question that I think most of the people I'm talking to believe there's pretty strong evidence the FBI did not um, uh, did not really pursue this in, in an aggressive way, very different from the way they pursued so many of the Trump allegations. And so, in other words, the FBI is not saying that the Justice Department didn't tell them not to do it. Yeah, that, that's right, uh, that the FBI on their own made that decision. Uh, now, again, we may need to dig in and find out. Maybe there was some Justice Department interference on this. I talked to several people that were in the Justice Department in 2020. This did not ring a bell to them. Uh, and so it, it's very possible that the FBI kept this to themselves. But those are the sort of questions Comer just wants to get to the bottom of. And but, at the end of the day, beyond yeah. exposing possible wrongdoing. It's clear now that these foreign conflicts of interest, where a foreign country can go and hire the relative of a high-ranking government official, and there's really no ethics rules prohibiting it, the Congress clearly wants to change the law to prevent these sort of things from happening in the future so that a future vice president president can't be running a cash machine overseas 
while they oversee U.S. policy dependent on those or benefiting or impacting those who are paying their family. So there's a long-term good governance goal here and a short-term goal of trying to find out what else we don't know about the, the Biden family uh, overseas funding machine. John Solomon, John Katzmatidis, you know, I just don't understand one thing. It's on on a million people have seen the videotape of uh, of Vice President Biden at the time threatening uh, not to give uh, the Ukrainians a billion dollars if they didn't if they didn't fire the person, the 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 attorney general of Ukraine that was chasing his son. And he yeah. says, I got six hours before I go on the airplane. If you don't fire him in the next six hours, you lose a billion dollars. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I just don't understand how nobody says a word about it. And can you imagine if the last name was Trump? <laughs> uh, no, forget about Trump. I mean, what what can it be, uh, uh, John? It, 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 listen, the evidence has been overwhelming for a long time. And one of the things that I'm working on, I hope to make public in the next few weeks, are documents that I've obtained from the State Department through FOIA, through sources, through officials, that uh, go through uh, and show that some of the testimonies given at uh, Donald Trump's impeachment trial, the first impeachment trial involving Ukraine, weren't accurate. They're, they're in conflict with the actual facts. When people see how the story was manipulated during the impeachment trial, and then uh, and they see what really was going on behind the scenes. They're going to be even more deeply troubled that what Joe Biden was doing in, in, in that pressure to fire the Ukrainian prosecutor looks a lot worse than it was made to be portrayed at the time. At the time, people said, oh, parents have a conflict of interest, but nothing really serious went wrong. And Joe Biden was just carrying out State Department policy. I think we're going to find out. State Department policy was actually different than what Joe Biden carried out. And that's going to add to the intrigue. I hope to make that public in the next few weeks. And, and the American people, all they want is the truth. That's, That's all they true. want, Rita. Right. You, you know what? You know what's amazing, John. Uh, before we let you go, it is an amazing moment to think about that. Tomorrow they're meeting. Okay, James Comer is meeting with the FBI director. If indeed the FBI director and the FBI is found in contempt, how unbelievably historic! I mean, talk about that moment. That's a that's a stunner. It is. The last time we had something similar was back in, uh, I believe, 2013, when the Attorney General, Eric Holder, was found in contempt. Of course, the Justice Department took no action against him because he was in charge of the Justice Department. Uh, There is an interesting uh, concept here, which is even if the Justice Department chooses not to pursue contempt charges against him, Congress can pursue them themselves. There are mechanisms that haven't been exercised in, uh, in decades, if not centuries, but um, I think some lawmakers are researching action that Congress as an independent branch of government could take. I think the other thing that they can do, they can withhold all of the FBI's funding until they get what they want from the FBI director. That will get any FBI director's attention. Uh, John Solomon, last question. If the FBI yes, refuses to turn it over to Congress and Congress finds him in contempt and Congress wants to have him arrested or what? Who arrests the FBI? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> these are questions that are actually being researched right now. It's, it's funny you ask these questions. They're very good questions. Uh, there are people in Congress and some of these committees actually looking at some history. I think there have been earlier uh, apprehensions that Congress did on its own without the executive branch. I think people are researching that. I haven't been able to find the details myself yet, but I'm working That's on it. It's crazy. And, and it so <laughs> at last, before we, we, we get a, uh, 30 seconds left, is... Uh, 
my advice to uh, the FBI, if, if anybody was listening to me, say, just come clean. The American people just want to know the truth and let the pebbles fall as they may. And that's it. And, you yeah. know, let's go forward. Let's not look backwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is a great point. Uh, and I think that transparency is it. Uh, too often, Americans now see their government, see the government officials believe it's their information, not the people's information. Of course, it's people's information. That's what our founding fathers determined when they created this great republic. And, and, yeah, some di- and someday we'll find out who really killed Kennedy. <laughs> that's right <laughs> Bobby Hopefully. Kennedy has a good idea <laughs> if we find out John will find it uh, thank, John, you. thank you we thank love you so you. much John Thanks, Solomon guys. we love you too take care you good to be with you take care have a good day wow uh, Rita I mean that was a great interview I mean the FBI if they have the information they should just come clean yeah that's what I the don't public understand. wants if Congress is asking them who are they to, to, to deny Congress? Yeah, absolutely. And I loved your question there, John, that we just asked uh, John Solomon's, who's going to arrest the FBI director? Well, well you know, Ed, Holder, Attorney General Holder was held in contempt. Yes. And since he's the head of the Justice Department, nothing was done. Uh, this is way back when. Wow. But so, crazy. So, I have some so, updates, you guys, too. I'll give us an update. I understand yeah. Dr. Michalos called in. He did. Our, our resident genius, he said it's not the uh, other strains of TB, the ones that have been around. This is on the migrants, um, that these are the new strains of TB um, that um, are so infectious and deadly. Um, and that there really isn't a vaccine or anything for, which is really scary. Um, the other update, too, by the way, on the migrants, um, it, it is an eight-story yeah, building. Vito Fisella called yeah, on that. Vito Fisella called on that. It's an eight-story building, by the way. This is where they are going to be housed in the Lincoln Correctional Facility, uh, 10,000 square foot, a floor, eight stories. And that's 110th Street. By the way, also some new developments. This is a busy day. CUNY coming out and condemning that speech. Finally, after two Finally. weeks, the brass saying that it this should not be tolerated. About it. They must have been. And we're going to talk about it with Bob Holden let's later take, on. Let's take a break. And uh, when, after the break, we're going to come back uh, with Charlie Gasparino. Where the heck are we with the budget? A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we are back here to Katz and Cosby. Everybody talking about is there a deal or isn't there a deal, uh, John, on Capitol yeah, Hill on the debt ceiling. For, um, for Charlie Gasparino to get on and, yep. and get his evaluation of where the heck we are, uh, the way I understand it, is uh, Kevin, McCar- uh, Kevin uh, McCarthy, McCarthy, McCarthy yep, made McCarthy. a deal with President Biden, and the deal is a deal. I understand Chuck Schumer is going along with it. I understand Hakeem Jeffries in the Congress is going along with it. So, And I understand our uh, our senator, uh, our um, minority leader minority, in the Senate, right, McConnell. McConnell is going along with right. it. So the extreme left, the extreme right are not happy. Who the heck cares? Well, we got with us Charlie Gasparino. The budget. Where the heck are we, uh, Charlie? Well, they're going to pass the deal, and, you know, we're back to square one with gazillions in deficits and debt and nothing really happening. I mean, you know, this is kind of a bad – I mean, listen, in in many ways, you know, I I agree with both sides. I agree with the Wall Street Journal editorial page that says it's better than nothing, and it's actually got a few things in there that's good, this current deal that's worked out with the – as we know, uh, with McCar- um, uh, McCarthy and the president. Uh, but also, 
I agree with Ron DeSantis that it really does nothing about the trajectory of spending that's been going nuts, not just under Biden, but well, under we're Trump in the, but, as well. But Charlie, we're in the quasi minority right now. We have no, uh, you know, the, that was a, that was a, uh, we did the best we could. Oh yeah, no, I, I know. But you know, the way you get out of this is to elect a president in the Republican Party because that's the only party that's going to do anything about about spending uh, that is serious about it. And that's certainly not Donald Trump based on rhetoric and 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 record. And um, we're elected a Republican Congress, and then you could do something about it. Ed Cox? Well, yeah, but the majority of Republicans in the House can get another bite at the apple with appropriations, with a continuing resolution, just holding up the budget. That's actually a budget cut, isn't it, if you just continue the spending at if the present level? If you freeze it right now. Exactly. So that, and, 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 and then people that complained about the IRS, if we put it off for a year, you know, you remember the old expression, the dog may die. Exactly. You know, worry, <laughs> worry about it next year's negotiation. I love John's that, phrases. That, that, it's yeah, great. That, that, that's a good one. That's a good one. New one for me. Have you heard well, that one? I've never heard that. Before. Well, it's well, 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 Charlie, it's does a dog die here? Next year. I mean, if, it was, if it was so easy just to hold stuff up and not pay for stuff, they would have done it by now. Trust me. I think it takes a little more than uh, than uh, than just you know not approving stuff to uh, uh, to get to get to cut the deficit. And you know the bottom line is you have these impasses because you have to negotiate, and there's negotiated spending here that they have to cut, that they have to they have to agree to, um, and uh, and that's it until you get a change of government. And a better president when it comes to the budget. I mean, one of the fascinating things about Donald Trump is that he wants to he wants to position himself against DeSantis as as being more conservative. Yet everything about him, policy wise, is more liberal, particularly on the fisc. I mean, he spent money like there's no tomorrow. He took Social Security and entitlement reform right off the table. Uh, the budget the budget was he not only that. He jawboned Jerome Powell into keeping interest rates low, which was not a good thing. As you know, when when we had the pandemic, there was almost no room to to do anything except for printing money. Uh, so, from a fiscal stamp, from a fiscal, from a just from a budget and fiscal and monetary policy standpoint, he's very liberal. Um, so, I mean, I I think you know, listen, I think what what I think is going to happen is that this is going to be. A, a a debate now that we have the Iowa caucuses. I think DeSantis is going to show his chops as a conservative by saying this is a bad deal. Uh, but if you're talking real politics, you know it's the best you can get given the circumstances, right? Divided government. We have divided government. That's the best deal we can get. Let the extreme left vote against it. Let the extreme right vote against it. And the people in the middle. Let's all vote for it. Go forward and worry about the worry about it next year. Well, that my opinion. Yeah, and the dog may die. And the dog may die <laughs> next year. I mean, look, if you really want to do this, elect DeSantis. If you really want to cut the entitlement state, you know, do something that puts a dent in the deficit and debt. You got to cut entitlements. You gotta, you gotta like rein in. Then let's. The only way you, you do it in twenty twenty four. Change government. This is Listen, not something that Donald Trump is going to do. Charlie, the only way you do it in twenty twenty four, you have to have sixty uh, Republican senators, a majority in Congress, and a Republican president in November twenty twenty four. I think now you don't need sixty because this is uh, 
this is this, this because it's part of the budget. You don't quite need sixty, right? You don't. It, I'll take the majority. Okay, majority, and you can do re- reconciliation, isn't that right, right Troy? Gotcha. That's right. Yeah, yeah, reconciliation was the word I was searching for. Yeah. So you really don't need sixty. Uh, you just need the right people in place. I mean, listen, if you want Donald Trump as president, he's not going to cut your budget. He's not. This is not what he's about. He's about low interest rates. He's about uh, spending as much money as possible. He's about Social Security. I mean, this is, you know, keeping it going forever. forever I was forever. happy when I was, when I was paying 2% interest rates, I was happy. I think everybody was. Yeah, but Charlie, the problem is when we I need to buy get a the new voters. house with 3% interest rates, I was very happy. Yeah, and I wouldn't have to pay four times at the grocery store. You know, Charlie, we talk about the the, the candidates and who's going to run, but we need to get the voting people out. The voters have a very, very small memory. They don't remember any of this. We need to to get them out to the voting In Turkey the other day, Charlie, how does this happen? In Turkey the other day, they had 85% vote. We have 8% here, right? We have have 17%. 17 17% for mayor. What was the, the federal election last year? How much voted? Uh, what percentage? Probably fifty percent. No way. Yeah, but, uh, but but by the by the way, is it yeah. is the real? Is is that are those real numbers? I was about to say the same thing. I don't know if I trust that uh, the the uh, all I the mean, results there in Turkey. Call me crazy, but I'm not sure about that one. We're gonna have. We are definitely gonna have a debate about debt and deficits and entitlements. Yeah. There's no doubt because because Ron DeSantis needs to have that debate to separate himself from Trump. So we're gonna have that. And let's see if it sells in the Republican Party because Trump has already come out and said DeSantis wants to cut your Social Security. He wants to kill you. He wants to you know, throw you off. So he, he's using the Democratic playbook against him. Well, let's Charlie, see, thank how, you. Let's see, how, how, let's see how DeSantis bobs and weaves in Iowa. We, we will debate up. this every week, and we will come out. The United States has to do the right thing in 2024 for the United States to survive, and we'll talk again real soon. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. And right now we have Ari Fleischer, and uh, we're going to let's start the conversation, but we might have to carry him over till after the uh, uh, after, after our the break. break. Perfect. Let's go to Charlie, Ari Fleischer. Uh, Ari, what the heck is going on? Yep, former White House <laughs> press secretary. And by the way, perfect place to uh, leave it off where we went from Charlie, where he talked about DeSantis maybe bobbing and weaving in Iowa. He's going to be in Iowa tonight. Let's talk about, uh, of course, DeSantis versus Trump, because Trump's going to be there later this week. All eyes on Iowa. Look, I, I'm a consumer. I, I want a fair fight. I want to buy the best product that I can find, and that applies to politics, too. So I don't mind these guys duking it out and going through a primary. I don't I mind Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, all the others. We, the voters, should get a choice. Donald Trump is the leading choice right now, but this thing's far from over. Yeah, where do you see it going, and how does how does DeSantis tighten the gap? I mean, some of the new polls. There was an Emerson poll that actually had basically a forty point spread, almost. I mean, that's that's a big difference. And I'm talking about Trump's lead is actually very significant over DeSantis, but he just announced. So, but how does he tighten the gap? Yeah, he he had a really bad winter and spring, and it was his fault. Ron DeSantis did. He didn't engage. He either should have said, "I am." withdrawing from my duties as governor of Florida, and I am running for president, and I'm going to Iowa, New Hampshire, boom, and done it. Or he should have said that I'm busy being the governor, I'm not going to engage with anybody, and as soon as I'm done, I go to Iowa and New Hampshire. Instead, he tried to do both, and he was halfway up to the net. He got pounded by Trump, and he didn't defend himself the way a real candidate would. So lousy spring training, 
but it's not too late for him, and it's not too late for Ron DeSantis because he has been a uniquely successful, good, conservative governor, an outsider. He's got a lot of what Republicans are looking for. He's got a temperament that's a better temperament in some ways than President Trump for not scaring people. And so that's the Are, are you supporting Ron DeSantis? No, I'm neutral. Okay. I'm neutral. I want to watch it all and see how it goes. I'm with um, you. I, I am on your side. So the, I, so the potential too. candidates following your advice, a governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, he is staying in Virginia. He's being governor, but still talking about national issues. Is that what uh, the Sanders should have done? Well, by the way, he yeah, might I, still get in the race because I, in the course. last week or two, yeah. people are saying he's kind of dipping his toes back. And it sounds you bet. maybe. No, that's right. That's what DeSantis should have done. And he he then could have focused people on, here's what I'm doing for Florida, and I'm not engaging on the presidential level yet. Now, Trump, to his credit, pounded DeSantis early. Trump used the doctrine of preemption and (laughs) went hard after Ron DeSantis. And that's politics. That's smart. You know, Donald Trump is running a smart campaign. He's also really well organized in a lot of the early states and working on delegate counts, too. Oh, he's got a good team working for him, Mary. That's what I've heard. He does. He does. So this is look, this is what you want as a Republican, as a primary voter, as a conservative. You want these guys to parade before us and show us what they got. And I don't rule out Nikki Haley. I don't rule out Tim Scott. I do rule out Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson. Um, (laughs) No one's going to beat Donald Trump by just smashing him and being the anti-Trump opponent to Trump. They're going to try to kill Trump. Uh, I mean, one way or another, they're going to try to kill Trump. uh, whether it's it won't work. Uh, with I mean, Georgia or New York or one of them. Watch out for Chris Christie on that stage, though, Harry. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, Chris Christie can debate, but it's not going to be good enough. I mean, it, No, not for him, not but he could destroy He could destroy a candidate. That's the, uh, that, that's, not Trump. He's not, exactly. not going to sit on it, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be fireworks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what Christie's thinking Ooh. by jumping in the race. Look, yeah. yeah. Look, we have to go to a hard break, but uh, Ari, we love you. Thank you for your input, and we're going to keep talking uh, again and again and again until we find out what the heck is going on. John, remember, remember <laughs> we had you, Ari Fleischer in Brooklyn for yes. dinner? John brought you to my I dinner remember. in the Brooklyn I was GOP. There. We love Ari. Yeah, I, I Ari used to question great. him all the time at the White House, and I loved it. He was our speaker <laughs> about 10 years ago in the Brooklyn GOP. Ari, thanks. We think thanks about that Ari. often. Let's go Anytime, to a break. Guys, always happy. Thank, Thank you, you, Ari. Let's go to a break, and we're going to be coming back with Nicole Galinas to find out what's going on with this migrant crisis. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. All right, I got the numbers. Yeah, you got the numbers here. Uh, in 2008. 60, 57% of the people voted. You're talking about the presidential, presidential. right? Okay. Uh, 2012, 53.8. 2016, 54.8. And 2020, Woo. 62% Woo. of the vote voted. And that's from Matt Warning, uh, 62%. All of a sudden, it went from 57, 53 54 to 62. You know, those those were the uh, Zucker boxes, it's right? It's kind of <laughs> those the extra <laughs> Facebook boxes? That's what I'm thinking, those extra but, but Zucker six, boxes. It's only 62%. So those 
38%, right? Shouldn't be complaining about the how president that they hired. How does Turkey get 85%? Uh, they say you will vote for Erdogan or else. <laughs> right. Who do we have on now? We're, we're getting Nicole Jolinas is coming uh, with us at any moment. We're going to be talking about the migrant crisis with her uh, and also crime. Uh, because, boy, those are two hot issues for her. You know, the latest news on the migrant crisis. By the way, I just saw numbers before the show. We have had almost 100 people cross the terror watch list uh, that are on the yeah, terror watch we list since October. We since October. Isn't that a stunning amount uh, with what's going on, especially in our city and in our country? Craig, it, that is it's, that it's is an, so dangerous. It's an open border. Anyone can walk in. Anyone can walk in. You really don't have to, you don't scary. have to worry about what their background is, if they're terrorists, if they're criminals, if they have diseases. It's an open border. Is it, it is. come on? It, no, we're waiting to get her on, I think, right now in two seconds. I but, thought you had her on before while we went to break. No, I get, they're, they're, we're warming up to it. We're warming up to it. And, um, you know, to your point, too, at least Eric Adams has been sounding the alarm about the migrant crisis. But I'd love to hear a Democrat say, seal the border. I mean, Ed, where are the Democrats? The Democrats are saying, yeah, we're frustrated with what's going on, but we are not saying seal the border. Why are they not putting pressure on the White House to seal the border? It's fundamental, Craig. Yeah, but I mean, he is coming. He is coming on to our side, Eric Adams. I mean, every, every week he's coming closer and closer to making the right decisions. Well, the city uh, I, is coming to the city could die. I agree. We're, 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 they're it, killing our city. And, and, and enough is enough. Actually, uh, Mayor Adams did condemn the Biden administration, yep. and they took him off the surrogate list for Biden. Yeah, but, he, but he's basically been asking for money more and saying we need more funds. Right. And he, uh, to and his I credit, he went down to the border. We talked to Robert him Kennedy for that. today. I understand. We talked to Robert Kennedy today, and everybody said his polls were at 20 he says he's got polls that show 29%. Yeah, I saw one, actually, John, that was 28%, which is amazing for a guy who just threw in. It shows they are so dissatisfied well, with was, Biden. If I, you know, if I was voting in the Democratic primary, I'd say, let's give the, a new guy a chance. He's going to give Biden because a Because I, I am upset. Yeah. Look, Joe Biden is a wonderful person. I know him personally. But a horrible, but, horrible president. But he's not a great president. Nope. I mean, I can't believe all the crap that's going on between the drugs going through our borders and all the migrants going through our borders i mean where's the where's the logic at least give them an examination like they did in ellis island don't bring in sick people enough is enough it is crazy do it at rikers island by the way and one thing you didn't mention john also is russia ukraine let's go to uh that's uh, William Parker. Exactly. And uh, see where, where we are. Yep. Uh, Bill Parker, we just talked about Russia, Ukraine. I just threw out there. There's one other big mess, I think, with Biden and the way it was handled. I still go back to the minor incursion. And Bill Parker joins us now. He is former CEO and also president of the East West Institute, retired U.S. Naval officer who commanded three warships. And uh, Dr. Parker, uh, let's talk about first what's going on with Russia, Ukraine, because there's some big developments there. Uh, there was a drone strike. I'm sure you saw this on a neighborhood in Russia, uh, not too far from where apparently Putin was. And then on the flip side, lots of attacks in Kiev. Where is this going? This is really the ante is really upping now with Russia, Ukraine war. Well, the ante is upping. Uh, first of all, good to be back on your show. Uh, but it, it is uh, increasing significantly right now. Uh, we we expected this would happen over the last few months. Um, uh, Putin is is losing control in uh, in many ways. 
Uh, and, and so I think you're going to start seeing the threat of possible use of uh, weapons of mass destruction. I think that there is a major threat against the, um, uh, the nuclear power plants that are there, and that's significant. You only need to look at what happened in Chernobyl and the impact of Belarus, which makes you scratch your head of why they're talking about bringing nuclear weapons into Belarus now. Well, wait, Dr. Parker, I get, you got can you clarify, are you saying the threat of, or where are you going with that? We all went, wow. Well, I mean, n- nuclear weapons are, are certainly going to be moved into Belarus. I mean, that was an agreement that uh, Lushenko and, and Putin have made, uh, that they're going to d- deploy those weapons uh, forward. And it's interesting what Lushenko recently said. He said that uh, the Union State of Belarus and Russia uh, is offering to other friends of Russia and Belarus that if they want nuclear weapons, all they got to do is join their union. Uh, so, so this is significant, and it goes back to the discussions we've been having over the last year and a half that if the United States looks weak in any way, whether it's leaving Afghanistan, whether it's how we deal with Syria, whether it's how we deal with the Chinese, et cetera, if they look weak, others are going to try to take advantage of that and say, and this may be our one opportunity to misbehave or to get what we want. And for Putin, what he wants is to reestablish the former Soviet Union in its glory days as he looks at it. That's quickly fading, isn't it, uh, Dr. Parker, that kind of a dream well, on Putin? Well, it's, it's quickly uh, fading for, uh, for Putin, for sure. It's also quickly uh, fading for, uh, uh, for other countries if they're not careful. I mean, Rome didn't uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, but it fell pretty darn fast. And so you have to look at the size of our Navy, the size of the Chinese Navy. You have to look at whether or not we are standing up to certain uh, thugs around the globe. And, and I think that's, that's very important. I mean, you're talking about Belarus as a country that's the size of Kansas, that has the population that's just slightly larger than New York City. And, and they're going to bring nuclear weapons in and basically uh, thumb their nose at the United States. And then pass them out to other nations also. What's all that about in the end? Why did Putin give them to Belarus and why is Lukashenko saying we'll pass them to other, other nations? I think there's a couple things going on there. Number one, I think that, that Putin sees that his own country uh, is threatened in, in uh, many ways. Uh, the drone strike, as you mentioned today, is just one example of that. And I think he says, well, if we can expand that and we have weapons of mass destruction in numerous countries, uh, that's a good thing. Now, Lukashenko and, and Putin have both come out and publicly said, hey, look, the United States has uh, special weapons in numerous other countries to include uh, Germany and other countries uh, to use. And we're just doing the same thing here. We're not breaking the nonproliferation treaty. When you look at the nonproliferation treaty, it really doesn't specifically say you can't move them around, but it does say you can't train others and you can't have others use them on your behalf. Wow. So where do you see this going? I mean, this is really scary stuff, uh, Dr. Parker. When we're hearing this, where do you see? Because both sides are sort of uh, puffing their chests. On the other hand, we're also hearing Ukraine saying basically the offensive is underway. Uh, they were happy about this strike within Russia. Russia says they're going to do something back. You talked about all the nuclear dynamics. What, what's happening next? This seems this seems like a really dangerous period. It is a dangerous period. And we predicted on your show um, about uh, three months before uh, Putin decided to roll into Ukraine that if something wasn't done significantly and quickly, 
like bring Ukraine into NATO or other actions like that that were significant, that this war would happen. So it's happened. Uh, so where do I think this is going to go? I think you're going to see an increase in uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction being spread around the globe. And when that happens, you lose control of where that fissile material is. So you have the North Koreans that are working on it. You have the Iranians that are working on it. You have other countries that are working on it. But now if you start getting those former Soviet bloc countries that aren't sure whether or not they want to be friends with Russia or the United States, but they want to be friends with the winner, whoever that's going to be, they are going to start aligning themselves with them. And you're going to see that reaction. I also think somebody needs to keep a very, very close eye on our relationship with Turkey right now. We can't forget that Turkey is the second largest army in NATO. And uh, this election has a lot of uh, implications behind it. So we need yep. to watch this and we need to watch that relationship very carefully over the, the coming months. I know that uh, Biden uh, reached out to um, Erdogan, I think, today or yesterday. But uh, still, we need to watch that relationship very carefully. Absolutely. Dr. Parker, thank you. You are terrific. Wow, really important stuff. Keep an eye on all of this. Uh, this is really a dangerous time, not just for America, very, but for the world. Very, dangerous time, and I think we got to monitor it day by day. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I don't like to talk about badly about of our president, but— He's made so many mistakes, and that's what I'm afraid of. It's really scary all the way around. Dr. Parker, thank you very much. And everybody stay with us. After the break, we're going to be joined by New York City Councilman Bob Holden talking about that incendiary speech. That is the graduation speech at the City University of New York. Some big developments. Uh, and, boy, this was outrageous. Hateful speech. The latest after the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Everybody talking, John, here about this hate-filled speech by the speaker at the May 12th graduation at so the we're City, back to University. City University. Yeah, oh, and by the way, some new developments. Uh, some of the board, uh, the chairman of the board and others and the chancellor came out finally two weeks later and condemned the speech where the speaker, this but was picked by the peers. why did they allow it to happen? I agree. By the way, you know what? Picked by her peers. Picked by her peers to be the speaker. And joining us now is Democratic New York City Councilman uh, Robert Holden. Councilman, first off, how, John, to this point, why was she even picked as the speakers? Picked by student peers. Clearly, the student speak would have known what she. It didn't sound like she was hiding her emotions. She well, was they, calling they, they, the NYPD fascists and white supremacists. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, they're supposed to have their speech reviewed first. So that means, if I'm correct, that a faculty member would have to have reviewed that speech before she gave Whoa. it. That's, that's ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait. So do you think not only clearly her, stu her fellow peers, the students picked her, because that's usually what happens for the graduation, right. you think somebody on the faculty signed off and said, hey, this is a good one? Absolutely. That's how it's done. When I was at, I taught at CUNY for 40 years. And that's wow, I didn't done. know that. Yep. Is it possible, Councilman, that just slipped through the cracks and the professor didn't review it or didn't get it, to look at or anything? It's because possible the faculty member agree with the wow. speech. That's another, how bad it is at CUNY Law School. Another question: How did the how did the peers vote on it? Did just a small bunch of them vote? The most well, radical they do of let them? the students. They do let the students select uh, the commencement speaker to represent them. However, 
a faculty member and sometimes even a committee of faculty members has to go through the speech and talk to them and correct this, correct that, fix this, fix that. Uh, if that wasn't done, that's that's ridiculous, first of all. But you can't allow this this commencement speech to be hate speech. And that's what that is. That's it was completely against the United States. It was against Israel, against uh, uh, Jewish people, against everyone, uh, except, uh, again, um, what she was just pushing, which is just hate. Hate. Yeah, definitely pushing hate. Yeah. I want to tell you what some of the things uh, said. Basically, the NYPD are fascists. Um, also here, the legal system is a manifestation of white supremacy that continues to oppress and suppress people. That's going after Israel, calling it imperialism, racism, Zionism around the world. I, I mean, when you hear all this stuff, uh, who, why, to so, your point, nobody was booing her. So, so, I mean, the, that's scary. so at the law school graduation, a bunch of students stood up and on the mayor, Adams turned their back to him. Now, uh, Councilman, did any students stand up and turn their back to this? No, I didn't. And get, again, there was there was cheering going on in the audience. That was the most distressing. Yeah, they picked that, her. That they picked her to speech speak. Was cheered on by these graduates. That's how far we've fallen at CUNY Law, and that's why the chancellor has to get involved. I'm glad he got involved, but like you said, too little, too late. Yeah, what does this say about education? I mean, what does this say about our young people? But her biggest attack was against CUNY. I guess she's not going to get a recommendation from them for a future. Yeah, job, she also right? attacked CUNY. I mean, too. she said here the the class of 2023 was able to accomplish all of this despite racism, selective <laughs> activism, and the self-serving interests of CUNY which yeah, she deemed to be an institution that continues dime. to it's, fail it's us. That's right, Craig. Crazy. Nothing, nothing was off limits. Nothing was off limits. Right. Yeah. It's biting the hand that feeds you. That's what it was, essentially. And this is what we're doing at CUNY. And this is the last thing. Again, I, I think we need an overhaul now. I'm looking at this and, you know, it was bad enough what they did to the mayor. You know, you can turn your back on the mayor. You can protest in quiet, at least. If you want to stand up and turn around, that's what's ruin your uh, your commencement um, uh, ceremonies. That's one thing. But if you're going to call out and then, you know, try to drown him out and then protest and yell and scream, that's not the kind of people, that's not the kind of graduates we want uh, the, the public to fund. And I, I should, uh, I'm going to talk to the chancellor definitely and, and step in and gonna say, look at this. This We had, a, by the way, we had a hearing last year on this, on anti-Semitism in CUNY. And the chancellor, we had to change the date to accommodate the chancellor a month later, and then he didn't show up. Wow. Incredible. So, what Who is kind of, the current chancellor? Felix Matos Rodriguez. So, what kind of is there any repercussion that could happen? I mean, this. How do we prevent this from happening again? Right, now, Felix, Felix Matos Rodriguez was at Queens College. I, I, I thought he was a very fine person. He was. A, he's a great. He's good. He's you know he's a good chancellor. But again, this is. You know, he put out a bunch of tweets. If you looked after the speech, you know, it was early May that the speech occurred. He did put out, you know, some pro-Israel and pro-Jewish uh, tweets. And you, and, you, and you wondered, why is he doing that? Because we didn't hear the speech until much later. But it was curious. So I think he, he needs to do more than just put out a statement or put out tweets. He needs to step in here and overhaul that department at the CUNY Law School. Yeah, they just put out the statement, literally. Uh, it was like a, an hour ago. It was a joint statement, by the way, with him um, and also with the uh, Board of Trustees Chairman Bill Thompson. And the vice chair said, you know, this should not be tolerated. But, uh, again, two weeks after the fact. But I think they yeah. need to do a deep dive and find out who the professor was that was supposed to review it. And yeah, who review was the reviewer? It? Did he or she review it? And, and, and why did they let this 
speech get released and why did they let her uh, well you know I, again i suspect because we've been seeing this for a while at cuny law that the professors agree with this that you know this is a publicly funded institution of learning where i think the faculty are turning these students uh, into like uh, you know again these these academic institutions into factories of hate and that's what's happening here it's outrageous but i think you have to look at the faculty first because that's what's coming out of these schools so the faculty are driving this kind of hate that's going on. I, I think, look, the chancellor is a chancellor. He has to control who's teaching the classes and what direction he wants to take City University and in what direction he wants to take. You want, Listen, if I was chancellor, I, I, I want to be able to, to have a, a great university. Yeah, absolutely. And, and clearly... The students knew this well, person's listen, belief, I know the chancellor. a faculty let's, member. Let's invite him on. That'd be let's great. Have the chancellor on. That He's would be guy. great. He's a good guy. we got to get yeah. him on. He's yeah, good guy. come on, John, because I'd like to talk to him myself. All, <laughs> All right. We'll get him on. <laughs> Councilman, thank you. You're terrific. Thank you, Bob Holden, thank All you. Right. Well, guys, thank you all. And uh, Wow, what a show. <laughs> what a show. And uh, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. We do need God's blessing because things are not great.